need advice for your fantasy football team? How about your DraftKings or FanDuel lineup? Goingfor2.com has you covered. Goingfor2.com has exclusive content from some of the best fantasy writers in the industry whose credentials include Bleacher Report, Fantasy Pros, and Fantasy Life. From advice columns to player ranks, Goingfor2.com has it all. Sign up for our newsletter to have all of our content sent to your inbox. Start winning today. Visit goingfor2.com because no one remembers the extra point. All right, guys. Welcome back to the Great Lakes Football Talk Show. This is our first show since the NFL Draft. We have a lot of stuff to talk about with you guys. Uh, Today's show is going to be primarily draft-related. We're going to talk about which team had the best draft, which team had the worst draft. We're going to talk about the steal of the draft, the reach of the draft, and then we're going to get into our own personal teams, uh, mine being the Buffalo Bills and Adams being the Detroit Lions. So let's kick it off with which teams had the best drafts. Um, I believe myself and Adam both did two here because this this draft was just so deep, so heavy that we, we couldn't just pick one. Uh, so Adam, why don't you kick it off with your first one, and, and who do you think had one of the best drafts this year? For me, I'm going to go with the Denver Broncos. Um they filled all of their needs, and they did it well. They didn't reach. Um, they traded back and got more draft capital by um, moving the 10th pick to the Pittsburgh Steelers for pick 20 and some uh, some other ones. But going and getting basically their ideal target in Noah Font at 20 was a, a perfect landing spot for him. I mean, for him and for the team, I mean, I, I you know ideally I think that's who – they would have picked if they stayed at 10 um, and they, they got to move back 10 spots, get more. And then they still get their main man. Uh, they took Dalton Risner, the offensive tackle from Kansas state who can play multiple positions on the line, which they need. Uh, they got him at number 41 overall. That That's awesome. I mean, I would have took him in the first round and then it's drew lock. They traded up and moved to the 42nd pick in the second round. And uh, took Drew Locke, who was another option from at 10, but L.A. didn't, you know, reach. He didn't panic. He went with the flow, and he basically got two of his main first-round targets in the first and second round. So uh, Draymond Jones, he, he'll have a role on the defensive line. Justin Hollins, he'll um, be a depth linebacker with the potential to start eventually. And then uh, Jawan Winfrey, he's going to have opportunity to get at least uh, – at least a minor role. I mean, he's a hometown kid, so there's a little bit of a uh, love there for him, and, and he's not a bad player. I am surprised he got drafted, but uh, he, he, he should uh, still contribute being like the fourth or fifth wide receiver, so not a big impact, but I, if he makes a team, I would expect him to see the field. Yeah, I really like Denver's draft. Uh, you mentioned that they essentially got two of their first-round targets, Um both in this draft and and all this time, I thought that even if they stayed at 10, that they were taking Drew Luck with their first pick. Even after Flacco was traded there, I thought that they were still taking Drew, Drew Luck with their first pick. And uh, they ended up getting him, just wasn't with their first pick. So I, I think they had a really good draft. I, I definitely agree with you there. My first team that I'm going to talk about is Arizona. Um, the draft is finally over. And it turns out that the first pick overall wasn't a smokescreen like everybody was guessing. Uh, Kyler Murray was selected, and Cliff Kingsbury has already stated that he'll start in week one. Uh, the Cardinals proceeded to grab not one, not two, but three pass-catching options in Andy Isabella, Hakeem Butler, and Keyshawn Johnson. 
Uh, we all know that their offensive line was a huge problem last year, and they really didn't get any projected immediate starters in this draft, but they did find a couple gems late or potential gems late in Joshua Miles and Lamont Gilliard. Uh, but they also, before the draft, they brought in J.R. Sweezy and Marcus Gilbert, so that kind of allowed them to attack elsewhere in the draft uh, by, by helping out that offensive line a little bit. Uh, one of my favorite picks came with the first pick of day two. Uh, they picked cornerback Byron Murphy, who arguably is the best cornerback in this draft. And he's joining an already strong secondary that's headed by one of the best corners to, to ever play the game, Patrick Peterson. And he gets to learn from Patrick Peterson. Uh, the rest of the defense will, will be improved and they'll be uh, much better this year with the additions of defensive end Zach Allen, safety Deontay Thompson. Uh, I am a little upset that I wasn't able to be on our NFC West preview show before the draft uh, because I do have high hopes for Arizona. If the Cardinals can fix their offensive line woes, and I believe that they have, uh, at least they're going to be improved. And DJ is, he's going to have a turnaround season this year. Um, that includes protecting Murray as well, opening holes for David Johnson. I believe that, and I'm not just saying this, but I believe that Arizona could be a surprise wildcard team this year. Yeah. And it, it, this, Kingsbury's job, um, the playoffs, their, any of their success or failures is all going to depend on did they make the right move by giving up on a top 10 pick in the 2018 draft just to use it on use the number one pick on a quarterback in back-to-back years in Kyler Murray. I mean, it, this is going to be huge. If this, if this doesn't pan out and if, it's, if Kyler Murray is mediocre or just completely fails and Rosen goes Miami and ends up being a reason why that franchise turns around. I mean, you could be seeing Kingsbury out the door in the next three, four seasons, if that. Um, but and but we can also see where it could look like he's a genius if it turns out Kyler Murray is, you know, Russell Wilson wins a Super Bowl or comes close to it within like three, four seasons. Um, I mean, he's loved this kid since 16, basically. I mean, he recruited him out of high school. He, you know, he, he, before he even became the coach of the Cardinals, he said that he would select him. He ended up, you know, talking management and everybody into doing it. So this, this, that, that pick alone is going to hinge on this draft being successful, this franchise being successful, this coach being successful. So it's definitely something to be fun to see. I do hope Murray does well because I've watched basically 90% of his games this year, uh, and and I love watching him play. He's he's just he's crazy good. But people have that success in the pro or in college, and they don't carry over in the pro. So it's definitely something I think maybe the main thing to watch this year. Yeah, the biggest knock on him, as as we all know, is his size. But uh, I mean, quarterbacks, his size can do it. You you mentioned Russell Wilson. Uh, Drew Brees is one of the best to ever play. So uh, they're definitely loading him up with some talent. Um, like I said, it's it's all going to come down to that offensive line, to be honest, because, I mean, there's no reason for Murray not to succeed uh, with who he has on the outside, with having one of the better running backs in the game. If they can protect him, if they can open up holes for DJ, and if they can, if they're, if they allow Kyler to get the ball out of his hands and get it into his playmakers, Larry Fitzgerald, Christian Kirk, and the three guys that they drafted this year, they also went out and grabbed Charles Clay, uh, pretty much a couple of days after he was cut by Buffalo. So he's another, uh, he wasn't really successful here in Buffalo, but he's a tight end that showed that he could play in this league. So, I mean, there's definitely weapons around there to support him. Uh, it, it all just comes down to, can they protect him? Can he, can he get the ball to those playmakers? Yeah, it's, it's going to be huge. I mean, 
at Oklahoma, he had a tremendous offensive line. I mean, I think the four guys that they had come in to the draft this year on the offensive line, I think they all got drafted, and that's that's crazy. I mean, they also had, I think, an offensive line uh, offensive lineman drafted last year as well. So it's him and Baker both had just awesome protection. Um, so it, it's something that we're going to watch. We're probably going to talk about this a ton, basically, for the, at least the next – you you have to imagine at least the next couple of years. I mean, we're going to be following along on his his rises, his falls, and it, it's going to be fun though. The it's going to be enjoyable for Cardinals fans and, and just fans of football. My second winner, which I had him basically tied with the Broncos, and I'm staying in the uh, the in the West. I'm going to Oakland Raiders uh, for um, Clemson. Right now, it seems like he was a reach at four. But I believe that in a couple of years from now, we're not going to look at it. We're going to talk about basically they got tremendous value. You can't really say a steal because he would just have to put up phenomenal numbers, which I, I do think there's a chance he could do that. But he's going to be at least – they're going to get value out of him. Um, he's going to be a leader on and off the field. He was a leader for that you know two-time national championship Clemson defensive line. He was basically the, the leader of the whole defense, not just the line itself. And – he he's talented. He was he was gonna go in the first round no matter no matter if he went four or not. Um, I was thinking more of the middle of the first round, but I, I trust Mike Mayak. Mike, Mike Mayak's a genius. You know I love his first draft. Um, grabbing Josh Jacobs and Jonathan Abram, who were basically by far and away Josh Jacobs was RB one in this draft class. Abram was in the conversation he could very well end up being the best safety in this draft. So basically getting, you know, Farrell and then two number one at their positions is huge. Trey Mullen, corner, he'll have a role this year. Max Crosby, the defensive end from Eastern Michigan, I think is a huge, huge sleeper in this class. Um, he could very well end up being one of the, the best defensive linemen in this whole draft. He played for Eastern Michigan, small school, but he did well. I mean, he can get to the quarterback. He can stop the running back. He can do it all. I think some with some seasoning, he's just gonna blow up. And him and uh, him and Farrell, man, might just just they might just wreck this league. And then Foster Monroe, uh, who I think can carve out some type of. I don't know if he'll ever be the main tight end in Oakland or anywhere else, but he does enough well where he can succeed and at least be maybe a tight end too. And then. Hunter Renfro, another Clemson, the third Clemson guy that got drafted in this in this first Mike Mayock draft. I I love Hunter Renfro. Uh, we've talked about it numerous times. The dude catches everything. He has probably the he's the most surest thing in the draft when it comes to getting the ball if you put it where he can catch it. I mean, he has small hands, but that's that hasn't stopped him. I mean, it seems like he's been in college for years because you just constantly hear about him and you've been hearing about him basically since the first year like the first year he stepped on the field. So he's I think he's gonna do wonders for Carr. I do believe that even though he might not never put up uh top numbers, top fan I wanna get into that, but he'll be a guy where he'll move the chains, he'll go and extend plays, he'll go and He'll be just basically. I think he'll be a security blanket for Derek Carr. And the final one was, which there's something here that Mike Mack likes because after Hunter Renfro, they were done with their draft picks, and he ended up trading up into the seventh round 
to get Quinn Bell, the defensive end from uh, Perry View A and M. Didn't do much on him. Uh, once he once he got drafted, I looked at uh, I looked him up a little bit and watching. He can play. I mean, he plays at such a small school though, so it's gonna be there's gonna be you know there's questions to see if he can handle this. But Mike, he's seen something in him, something that he believes he can be at least a rotational or a decent depth guy in this league. So I, I love the class overall. Uh, they made big improvements. You mentioned how Arizona could potentially be a wild card spot or in a wild card spot. I think if you look over in the AFC, I think we can be, we can mention the Raiders in the same conversation. I mean, it's you know Antonio Brown, uh, Tyrell Williams. They just they you know they got the they got pieces to start succeeding and to doing it really quickly. Yeah, I like their draft too. Um, I'm not huge on their first pick uh, at four overall, but I don't want to spoil anything that that may or may not be my uh, my reach of the draft. But I do like the Renfro pick. Um, I was I was kind of following to see where he would go and and hoping that he can latch on with in this case it would be Oakland but um, wherever he got drafted I, I, I'm going to follow him along in uh, preseason and see if he makes the team. Uh, one guy that I've been hearing a lot about, uh, especially since the draft, is Max Crosby. Uh, I really didn't know much about him before the draft, but um, he's he's just coming up all over in one of the one of the biggest sleepers, and so I'm excited to see how how he pans out and uh just overall you mentioned already josh jacobs the number one running back rated in this draft and then um jonathan abram potentially the number one safety rated in this draft i know there's a couple of good ones out there uh so basically getting basically getting two of the top two of the top guys at their at their specific position even farrell's one of the top guys at his position again i, I don't think he should have gone four but uh Mike Mayak sees something, so he he went out and got him. Uh, the guy, or not guy, the team that I have next is Jacksonville. Um, everybody mocked and predicted offensive tackle Jawan Taylor to be drafted by the Jaguars to protect their new investment, Nick Foles. Uh, what they didn't predict was that it was going to happen with the third pick in the second round. Instead, the projected third overall pick to the Jets in the first round, edge rusher Josh Allen, fell to number seven, and the Jaguars could not pass him up. Uh, so not only did they get uh, one of the top three players, we'll call it, in this draft at number seven, they still got the guy that everybody projected them to get in Jawan Taylor, but in round two. Um, next up on the Jacks checklist was another weapon for Foles. I personally think that they should have gone with a wide receiver, but management feels confident in what they have, so they ended up taking tight end Josh Oliver instead in the third round. And if you've listened to any of our uh, divisional podcast shows, you've probably heard his name a couple times. Um, I know, Adam, you're very high on Josh Oliver, and I think Jacksonville is a perfect fit for him. He has a chance to basically start right away uh, because they they really don't have that clear-cut number one right now. So he, he could go in there and compete and, and give Nick Foles a, a safety blanket option there. Uh, the rest of their draft was was basically depth, in my, in my opinion. They did grab... Quinton Williams' brother, Quincy Williams, to add to their linebacking group. Uh, Gardner Minshew was taken in the sixth round and has a chance to compete for the third or even backup quarterback role. Rykel Armstead, uh, running back, has been given an NFL comparison to a teammate, Leonard Fournette, so he can fit in nicely, learn from Leonard Fournette. Uh, overall, I think the Jags did an excellent job. They did enough to compete with the Texans and the Colts and even the sleeper Titans. I think the Titans are going to be much better this year. Um, as long as luck is in that division and healthy, I think the Colts are the 
they're the favorites to win the South, but Jacksonville can definitely give them a run, uh, give Houston a run, and it's, it's going to be a fun division to watch. That could be a four-horse race um, with with or without luck. I think that could be a four-horse race in that division. Yeah, Jacksonville, they just – they basically stole Jawan Taylor. There were some concerns, you know, when we got close to the draft about uh, Taylor's knees, but as far as I know, they really haven't prevented him from doing – anything i mean even if there whatever problem he has has it really been noticeable on tape i mean you look at their draft class they basically i think in any other draft class um or if any other team was picking number one uh, josh allen might have been the number one pick i mean you take out quinny williams you take out nick bosa um and the cardinals or any other team but the cardinals are allen was number one he's would have been the best player in this draft outside of um, Bosa and, and Quinn Williams. And Josh Oliver, he's going to be a uh, – he's going to mesh really well with Nick Foles. It, it's just, getting a guy like Allen at, you know, in at number seven, who I think that is – even though it's only the seventh pick and you expect to get some type of good talent, I think that's going to end up being a steal. I mean – he could very well end up outplaying Bosa and, and Quinn and Williams before it's all said and done. And then getting basically 90, basically 95% of everybody's top offensive tackle in Juwan Taylor in round two is just, it's huge, especially if this medical clears and it's just maybe just misinformation. I mean, they got themselves two, two top 10 picks. I mean, you can never go wrong with that. Not at all. They just, they they already have a top defense to go along with it. They basically just needed to build on the offensive side. They they grabbed their uh they grabbed a tackle and they they grabbed a tight end. They got some depth at the running back position, especially a running back position where their their main guy can't seem to really stay healthy. Uh so it's definitely gonna be it's definitely gonna be fun. Um Nick Foles gets hopefully we see Philadelphia Nick Foles and not Rams Nick Foles and uh they, they make things fun there. Uh, let's let's turn the tables a little bit. Who is your who do you think had the worst draft? The worst draft for me, I'm gonna go with the Jets. Uh granted they did get Quinn Williams, who you could arguably push him, Bosa, and Allen and just throw a dart and pick one of them. You can't go wrong with either one. They're basically one A, B, and C. I I honestly. Um but outside of that, there's a bunch of questions. I mean, uh Jashai Polite, the defensive end from Florida has some off the field concerns. Seems like he has a, a bad attitude and isn't ideally what you want in your locker room. They took him in round three. Uh but if he if he keep his nose clean, that's a first round talent. There's buzz about him being a first round guy. But it, it's just gonna be huge. I mean, you're looking at the combine and people are just you know, just two months ago people are going, look, you know, we don't like his attitude, this, this and this and that's that's I don't I don't know if you want that in your locker room when you got Le'Veon Bell, you got a young guy in Sam Darnold who you want to make sure he's around good role models and isn't, you know, under, you know, under, um, under any bad influences. So at, that's be my biggest thing. I mean, if he keeps his nose clean, then this, they don't, you know, they bump up to their, they still to me to have a great draft, but it's not going to be the worst. Um, and then with their second, third round pick, they took Chuma Adago um, or Endoga from USC's offensive tackle. I, I don't love the pick. I think they could have got a better player in the third. Uh, Trayvon Wesco from West Virginia, the tight end, he can maybe carve out some type of minor role 
Blake Cashman outside of Quinn Williams, Blake Cashman might be the best player in their hall. Um, I do like him a lot. I know you like him. We've talked about it off uh, off record how you're a, a pretty big fan of his. Took uh, Blessing Austin from the corner from Rutgers. He's He might not even make the team. So, I mean, ideally they got one starter now, a potential starter depending on his attitude and then depth as of now. I mean, so even though they, you know, only had, you know, they had three picks on top of 100, and normally you want to get more than one potential starter, or like at least day one starter in the top 100. And I, I don't think they did that. They only got the one in Quinn Williams, who is a slam dunk. And the only thing that's saving this from actually me giving them like an F basically is is them taking Williams. I mean, th- there's questions that have to be answered. I'm hoping Bell's sake uh, – that this does this doesn't hold them back because I think this team you know signing Bell, um, CJ Mosley I think they they could be competitive, they, you know they you know they could give you know your Bills a run for the money they could give it to the Patriots I mean I don't know if they would uh, dethrone the Patriots but they could certainly keep it interesting getting into November December but this draft is definitely gonna make or break it now. Yeah, I could agree with you there. I, I I don't think they had a great draft. Obviously, they picked number three, so it really was hard to not get a top player unless they traded out of that spot. So Quinn Williams, I mean, anybody that they would have grabbed there, Quinn Williams, Josh Allen, uh, he's he's probably going to be impactful as far as the rest of the draft goes. I know uh, Ja'Kai Polite was, at some point, he was projected even as early as number 12 to Green Bay. I've seen in a couple mocks, but uh, yeah, the off-field issues have definitely uh, dropped his stock down a little bit. So, I mean, the potential's there, but who knows? Um, I think the biggest thing that does help him is is the offseason moves that they made pre-draft, uh, bringing in Crowder, bringing in Le'Veon Bell, uh, bringing in Mosley. So kind of just, I mean, the draft, obviously, yeah, that's where you want to build your team. But uh, they did make a lot of free agent signing moves to where I'm sure the GM cares about it but doesn't care as much because they're going to have a competitive team out there. I'm still a little nervous about them. Um, obviously, it's the Patriots division until Tom Brady retires, but it's going to be Buffalo and, and the Jets kind of uh, – vying for number two and, and hopefully hopefully Buffalo comes out on top of that. Um, my team's worst draft I got is the Houston Texans. Um, Deshaun Watson, as we know, we mentioned it numerous times. He was sacked a league high 65 times last year. Uh, so the biggest need in this draft for, for them was obviously the offensive line. And they did, dress, they did address it with their first pick and they also addressed it again. Uh, but they did pass on guys like Juwan Taylor, Cody Ford, Caleb McGarry, and Greg Little for a project lineman from the small school of Alabama state, uh, Titus Howard. Um, in the second round, they had back-to-back picks and while well, they grabbed another lineman with one of them, their second pick was Lonnie Johnson, the cornerback out of Kentucky and secondary was another spot that they needed help with. And uh, I mean, Lonnie Johnson was a good pick there, but I just feel like, Somebody on the opposite side of DeAndre Hopkins should have been the choice there instead, especially since five of the next 10 picks were all wide receivers. And I think that each of those five receivers can make a little bit of noise this year. Um, obviously, Will Fuller, he hasn't really been able to have a a fully healthy career. Kiki Cutie has been uh, on and off injured too. So they definitely need somebody to kind of alleviate the, the double and triple coverage from DeAndre Hopkins. Uh, but they ended up going with the cornerback there. Uh, I do like the pick of tight end uh, Kehal War- Waring in the third. And their back half picks were pretty much all depth players. I just feel that the three picks in their, in their 
the first two rounds that they had, they could have gone. They definitely could have made them better. I mean, uh, obviously they they went needs. They they did fill some some spots that these players are going to see the field. Maybe they're going to have an impact for Houston. I just feel that who was on the board at the time that they picked, they definitely could have had, definitely could have went better uh, instead of what they ended up with. Yeah, and, and they were in the running for my worst draft too. Uh, as everybody knows now, I've been doing um, draft recaps for each division, and I gave Houston, if I'm not mistaken, like a D. Uh, and, and my reason is the players that left from the board – they could have basically swapped it where they took a Byron Murphy, a DeAndre Baker in the round one, got both of their small school offensive tackles in round two, and I think it would have been better suited because taking a small school guy, like a guy from South Alabama who's going to be a project when I don't think they have time to to do projects. I mean, even in their third round pick, he was a, he's a project – or they're – uh, second, for, uh, their second second round pick. He's a project. They don't have time for that. When you have your franchise quarterback who's already coming off, uh, or uh, who's already had an ACL injury since he's been your quarterback, he got sacked what sixty two times last year or sixty five times. Asking for for David Carr all over again, and it just it didn't make no sense. Honestly, if they were so set on Titus Howard, they could have easily traded up and got him in in the beginning of round two. Uh, but me, I would have went Baker or Murphy in round one, traded up for Titus Howard. If you really, really think he can turn into something, traded up in round two for him. And then with my second, or uh, my second, second round pick, you got a, somebody that wasn't going to be a pro- like as big of a project. I mean, you look on the board that was still there. I mean, they had offensive tackles that, that could, you know, and actually they need offensive line. They could got any kind of offensive lineman, and he they wouldn't have been as big of projects as their two selections were. So, I'm hoping it turns out for you, you know Deshaun Watson. I wonder what he was thinking. I know he had to be happy that they're at least trying to get him help. Um, but not getting you know getting projects is is worrying. I mean, you see that their wide receivers are banged up. I mean, what would they do if Deshaun Watson went down right now? I mean. They couldn't even think about competing this year. I don't care if, you know, DeAndre Hopkins was – I don't care if they had three DeAndre Hopkins, to be honest. No matter who's that quarterback back there, they're not going to win with any of their current quarterbacks outside of Deshaun Watson. No, not at all. And uh, you got to think that – I know he's he's got a winning record, but you got to think that Bill O'Brien's on, on the hot seat. Um, they just can't keep on having nine and seven seasons and, and think that he, his job is safe and – Hopefully these picks end up turning out good for them, and uh, and they can put a competitive team out there. I mean, they're still one of the better teams in in the AFC. Um, I think they're they're a team that can compete with the Patriots. They can compete with with the Colts. Um, but again, like I said, as long as Andrew Luck's in that division, I, I think the Col- it's the Colts division. But um, Houston, they're they're going to be competitive. They just they, they could have done a lot better. They had three picks in the top. 50, I think it was. It might have even been the top 40. I don't remember where their two second round picks were, um, but three picks in the top 50 at least, and and they got guys that they got two offensive linemen and a cornerbacks. But it's going to be they're not like I don't think they're going to be immediate impact players. Um, moving on to the steal of the draft. Um, do you want to go with yours first? Yeah. Um, 
I'm going to go with Kelvin Harmon. We had him on the pod. Uh, I'm surprised he lasted to the sixth round. I mean, Washington got him, I think, at 206. And that was absurd. I mean, people had him basically being a borderline first-round pick. I mean, he he can play the ball in the air. He has good concentration. Um, did need some improvement, but it wasn't horrible by any means. It would have got him by his rookie year, you know, why he started building up his repertoire, why he started getting um, getting help from these these NFL coaches and start running more crisp routes. Uh, but you're about a six foot three receiver for your new quarterback in Dwayne Haskins, who is super talented. I mean, when his hands are on the ball, you can trust him. I mean, the 50, 50 ball is, isn't even a 50, 50 ball to him. I mean, you would basically give him maybe like an 85, 90 for, you know, 90% chance of coming down with that ball. And they took the, they got the guy in the sixth round. I mean, that was probably this might count to be one of the biggest steals that we'll see in this draft and maybe in this these past couple of drafts. I mean, you're you're honestly just you're looking at a guy who for a team that needs a number one receiver, you can go use your sixth round guy, give him every opportunity in camp to go and start on the outside and become um Dwayne Haskins, Case Keenum's uh main guy, their favorite target. So it, I'm, I'm going to be interested to see how this, you know, how he, um, how he takes this. Cause we've talked to him and I don't think he expected to go to, to last that long. So I expect him to play with the chip on his shoulder. Yeah, definitely. I know um, when day three was going on, I know it was during the day and I was at work, but I kept on asking. I know I asked you guys in the group chat. I asked, uh, I asked you personally. And then I even kept on checking, checking like Facebook feed and all that and the draft tracker just to see, uh, if Kelvin Harmon got injured and he just kept on falling or not injured, but taken and he just kept on falling and falling and falling. And, and I was just shocked. Like it, it ended up getting to the point to where whoever drafts this guy is, is getting a steal because that that's how far down he fell. Um, my guy, he's another wide receiver. He, uh, I already talked about his team, Arizona. So it's only right that I talk about a steal, uh, Hakeem Butler, um, uh, Again, the Cardinals drafted three wide receivers within their 11 picks that they had, and the one that is most intriguing to me and that I could feel could be the most impactful guy is a guy who fell to day three. Another day three guy, he was taken with the first pick of day three, Hakeem Butler, um, in the fourth round, and it's an absolute steal. A lot of experts had him going into the second round, possibly the third, the latest, and when there was a run on wide receivers that were in the late second and his name wasn't called, it another one, he's it got to the point to where any team that got him was gonna it was gonna be a steal and it ended up being Arizona. Um unfortunately they had to sleep on it and, and pick him the next day. Uh not only does he get to learn from one of the best in Larry Fitzgerald, but his size is it's a mismatch for defensive backs. Uh, Kyler Murray isn't an inaccurate quarterback by any means, um, but if he does happen to overthrow the ball in Butler's direction, we can probably count on Hakeem coming down with it um, with his big, tall frame, his strong hands. I know he had some drops in college, a little bit of drop problem in college, but he, he's going to get over it, and he's going to end up being maybe the heir to the Larry Fitzgerald throne. I don't think he's going to fill Larry Fitzgerald's shoes, but he's definitely, he's definitely got a chance to um, with and then having Christian Kirk on the other side, and then the other two guys that they drafted this year too. Uh, I'm excited to watch him play. I'm excited to watch the Cardinals, and and they might actually be my favorite team in the NFC now. Yeah, and I was surprised that Butler lasted so long. Um, he, I think, you know, he, you mentioned he had some drop issues. 
who's the best receiver to 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 help mentor you to get over all that other than Larry Fitzgerald? I mean, you go into work every day and you have this this problem, which is really his only knack, honestly, is that he had the drops. And you get to learn from you get to learn from one of basically a, a living legend, um, a first battle Hall of Famer, one of the best wide receivers to play the game. I mean, if anybody can can solve that issue for him, it's going to be Fitz. I mean, and, and I, honestly, I think he. You mentioned that he had the biggest impact out of everybody that got drafted. I think outside of Fitzgerald, I think he's going to have the biggest impact wide receiver wise for that team. I mean, I think he'll be he'll end up taking over number one duties for Larry Fitzgerald, just like you do. I think he'll go and um, he'll bypass Kristen Kirk. I think Kirk's better suited for be a secondary guy. Um, but, um, excuse me, uh, a color, he's meant to be a point in the offense. He's, he's so – he's huge. I mean, no matter how bad your accuracy issues are, and Kyler Murray doesn't have them, but – uh, no matter how bad they are, you can't miss Hakeem Butler. And, and I, if I'm not mistaken, I think he actually had one of the um, widest wingspans in the drafts, if I'm not uh, the best, but I think he had one of the best. So I, I just love that fan. And they did so well. You know, we have to give them props. They did so well to build around Murray this draft. So th- those, I think both of our picks are just going to be absolute monsters. Um, maybe even from the get go. I mean, you come in there week one, I wouldn't be surprised if both of these guys have huge roles and they, they're going to take advantage of it. Yeah, no doubt. I, I'm i just a sucker for tall wide receivers. I It's been a long time in, in Buffalo since we've had a big guy like that. You guys have had – I know Gallaudet is a little on the taller side, but even before him, you guys have one of the best to ever play in Megatron, and, and I'm just jealous there. And it's uh, It's – it's one of my favorite things is just big, tall, six, four, six, five receivers. And, and I'm hoping one day we find ours, but uh, let's move on to the reach of the draft. Who do you got as your reach? I'm going, it's obvious, but I'm going Daniel Jones. Um, just for some reason is they trade the giants trade up at the back end of the first round to get a third pick. And that was, so uh, that was uh, used for Deandre Baker, the corner from Georgia they could have went and they could have got um, – you see, they could have took Josh Allen, who the edge is a desperate need for them. They could have went and got Josh Allen. And then I think – I don't think anybody would have touched Daniel Jones until the Giants came back up. But even if they had just wanted to make sure, I'm sure they could have went and they could have traded up with Atlanta. They could have traded up with um, – you know, they, they could have traded up with, honestly, maybe Miami – and they didn't have to use that top 10 pick because right now, when you, when you get a guy in the top 10, ideally you want him to start for you this year or at least make some type of big impact for your team. I don't – you know, I, they've even won on record. The Giants even won on record that they don't envision Daniel Jones starting this year. You know, they want him to sit and, and learn from Eli and um, – Gettleman, their their GM, even said he thinks that Eli could play for three more years. I mean, are you really going to want your your number six overall pick when you're in a, a huge rebuild right now to sit on the bench for three years? I mean, as as long as Eli is putting up respectable numbers, keeping the team in games, I don't think they bench him. So it's it's you're wasting that pick on 
instead of getting a playmaker where, I mean, honestly, you could have went at Oliver, you could have went Josh Allen, you could have went, um, you could have went any receiver. I mean, you could have went Hollywood Brown. Um, I, I mean, you know, six is a reach for him, but people, you know, they, they still, they could have got that could have start. They could have start tomorrow and make, make some type of impact for your team. And we might not even see Daniel Jones on the field. I mean, you're just you're in this is being on Eli's side too you're just asking for failure because how can Eli help win if you're using your earliest draft pick for a guy that's going to be riding the bench for the foreseeable future yeah I I don't agree with that pick either um I mean if Daniel Jones is their guy take him but I, I definitely would not have taken him at number six um and especially if if they plan on keeping Eli around for another three years or, or if Eli has another three years in him, uh, a couple plus sides to this is Eli is a two time Super Bowl winning quarterback. So if there's a guy that can help mold you, I know he hasn't really had much success the past few years, but if there's a guy that, that you want uh, kind of training you and, and, and learning from Eli would be one of them. So, I mean, definitely, definitely a good thing there um, on the downside of it though, is, the quarterback class next year is, and we're going to get into it later on, not this show, but um, it, it's so heavy. And if if something were to happen where New York is again at the bottom of the league or near the bottom of the league, they could have just grabbed their guy next year instead of reaching for Daniel Jones this year. So it just doesn't make a lot of sense. I don't know what's what's going on in Gettleman's head. He had two first-round picks. I know the second one um, is is going to be a stud, but Jones, I mean, maybe he'll turn out to be the best quarterback in this draft, but from from all the talk and what I'm hearing is he may not even start or play for a couple of years. So it's like, I mean, investing something that high, you want him to be on the field week one of his rookie season, but I guess we'll wait and see. I mean, Aaron, Aaron Rodgers sat a few years behind Favre. Uh, maybe Daniel Jones sat a few years behind Eli and end up being end up being a good quarterback. We'll never, I mean, we'll know in the future, but my um my reach i kind of spoil or spoiled it earlier is uh Cleland Farrell uh the defensive end out of Clemson uh going to go over a couple names here that were available at number 4 you've already mentioned a couple of them because the giants picked at 6 but uh they're Devin White Josh Allen Ed Oliver um all there for Oakland all players that Oakland not only could have not only could have needed, but they, they could have wanted. Um, but instead, they went with defensive end from Clemson, Cleland Farrell. I'm not sure if I said his first name right. Uh, there's no doubt that Farrell was a first-round talent, as you mentioned earlier. Uh, that's really not the issue here. The issue is that I don't think he's fourth overall talent. Um, again, this kind of goes to the Daniel Jones point that I just made, but they say it's not a reach. If you think he's your guy, go out and get him. Put your hands on him. But I don't think anybody in even the top 10 was taking them. Uh, and with three picks that they had, they could have traded up if they really liked them. Uh, they could have moved into the teens to grab them if they wanted to get them. Um, they, they definitely had the ammunition to move up. But so, And that's where I think it's a reach. And I'm not – I'm sure by now we all saw the video of Mike Mayock calling Farrell on draft day and the emotions were flying. Uh, tears were coming out. Both parties were just pumped. And, and then we saw the video – of him, Jacobs, and Abram at, at the uh, at the table, kind of doing their introductory um, interviews and stuff like that, and and it, it just seems like 
uh, Oakland is, I mean, they're all pumped about it. And, and, and I'm pumped about it too. I mean, I hope they all succeed again. I just, it's a reach because I don't think he should have gone at number four. And I'm not, I'm not, uh, I'm not going to doubt Mike Mayak. He's one of the best. He, he is probably the best draft guy to, to go from and, and go by. And, and that's why, um, that's why it was hard for me to actually say this because it's, you can't really, you can't really doubt him. I mean, um, as a Bills fan, though, I do, I do think that has a little bit of why Ed Oliver fell to us, thanks to Oakland grabbing him at four, thanks to the Giants grabbing Jones at six. Uh, Ed Oliver kind of slipped down the boards, and we were able to take him without trading up. Uh, we'll obviously see how everything plays out. I do love their 24th overall pick in Josh Jacobs. I love their 27th overall pick in Jonathan Abram. And if there's one guy who knows his prospects, it's Mike Mayock. I just, again, I mean, he's going to end up being a good player. I, I just I just don't think he should have been taken at number four. Yeah, I get it. it. It was a big question mark. But, you know, Mayock even said, you know, they took him number four for his leadership. Um, now, granted, his, his on-field skills do play a part in it. They weren't. You know his his skill set isn't number four overall right now, but I do believe they can get some um, very valuable uh, valuable um, time from him. So you know he'll he puts a hundred percent into every snap. He is going to be a leader. I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if he's a leader in that locker room this year. His rookie season just come out and be a true leader because that's just who he is. And I, I honestly, if anybody in this draft has a tremendous career. I really do hope it's him just because he wants it. I mean, he loves the game of football. He he's won on record said that numerous times that, you know, he you know, he is football and he's such a good role model. I mean, he's kept, you know, he's he's tried to keep the nose clean of his surrounding teammates. And um you know, if he doesn't turn out to be worthy of the normal the number four pick on the field, they'll get a number one pick when it comes to off the field leadership. So you can at least look at it that way. Yeah, it's again, it, it was hard to really pick this one um, because he's not. It, it's not like they they grabbed a guy who wasn't a first round talent. I just, it's another one of those cases where they could have gone elsewhere and they still could have ended up with him uh, with all the ammo that they had, but. Um, Mike Mack knows what he's doing. It's it's his first draft as a GM, but uh, I, I think I, I trust in him, and and I'm glad I'm not in their division. But um, it's going to be exciting to watch Oakland play this year with all their offseason moves um, via trade, free agency, and the draft. Um, moving on to our team thoughts, um, Bills ended up. They started the day or they started the weekend with ten overall picks. Uh, they ultimately ended up with eight. Uh, making a couple of trades, moving up, moving down. And uh, the Lions, how many picks did the Lions have total? They had eight. They had eight. Okay. Um, so, obviously, in the first round, they, they picked back-to-back. Um, Lions at eight, Bills at nine. And, and they were kind of around each other for, for most of the rest of the draft, except for a few times where Buffalo moved up and, and Detroit moved down. So, um I'll kick it off here. I don't want to get too much into into all these guys. I'll, I'll just say a couple of things about the players. But obviously, at number nine, Buffalo took Ed Oliver. He's an immediate starter. I absolutely love the pick. I can't wait to see him get to Tom Brady and the rest of the AFC East quarterbacks. Um, 
despite my many mocks that I've done, and, and I've done a lot this year, kind of leading up to the draft, he, at the end, he was my main target. I started out with wanting DK Metcalf. Eventually, I got to wanting Jawan Taylor um, to fill a huge hole. Um, it, but my final ones, I, I wanted that Oliver, and it, it kind of became more of a reality, just basically how the first eight went. Uh, I was kind of nervous that Detroit was going to take him. I was kind of nervous that even uh, Jacksonville would take him. But it's it's one of those things where, and I was actually watching the draft at my house with a couple buddies here. As soon as Daniel Jones went number six and Taylor, uh, Ad Oliver, and TJ Hawkinson were all on the board still, I knew we were guaranteed one of them. And I would have been, I would have been happy to get any one of them. Obviously, um, Hawkinson ended up going to you guys at number eight. And Ed Oliver just fell to number nine, and we just jumped out of our seats. It was about maybe nine nine thirty at night when the pick happened, and we just we we shook the whole house. We were just ex- excited, ecstatic about it happening, and uh, I'm glad to see him. I'm, I'm, I can't wait to go to camp and just watch him play. Um, I already spoiled who the Lions took at number eight, but talk about Hawkinson. Yeah, and um, I actually made a mistake. We actually had nine picks um, at one time. During the draft, we traded uh, one of our picks to move up, and we had eight, but then we ended up getting that back um, later on. So we ended up having nine picks total. Um, but, yeah, T.J. Hopkinson, uh, man, I, I'm hoping really well. Bob Quinn knows what he's doing when it comes to drafting tight ends. He's around and basically made Gronkowski into a, a top ten, um, a should have been top ten player. Taken in his year, uh, the fans did worry about you know the whole thing of how we've been burned by taking you know Eric Ebron uh, at number ten a couple years ago. How we took Brandon Pettigrew in in the middle of round one um, in two thousand and nine, I believe the same year Stafford. But thing is, though, Bob Quinn didn't draft Pettigrew. Bob Quinn didn't draft Ebron. This is the first first round tight end he's drafted the first early round tight end he's drafted and he knows what he's doing and getting the basically the best tight end in this draft is it, it, huge. I mean, he, he fights for extra yardage. He has good hands. He has good ball skills. He, he's a good blocker too, which we want to focus more on running. We showed that with carry on last year. Hawkinson ideally, you know, basically he gives us an extra offensive lineman when, when we're running the ball. He's willing to block. He knows how to block. That's one part of his game he doesn't have to work on. I mean, he really doesn't have to work on much, just more of um, fine-tuning things. But I, I was thrilled. I was kind of hoping uh, Josh Allen was going to fall to us once, Buffalo, or once um, the Jags are on the clock. I was like, there's no way they're going to they're gonna take Josh Allen. They're going to take Jawan Taylor. They're going to take Hawkins at Oliver. They're, they're not going to take Josh Allen and – they end up taking Josh Allen, but I can't complain on Hawkinson. I think he's going to do very well. I go to the Lions open camps uh, like every year, so I can't wait to see him and meet him in person. And I think it's just it's going to, it's going to be awesome. I mean, I think he's going to really help Stafford. He's going to help us be more successful in the red zone, which we've been lacking ever since basically Kelvin left us. So I can't complain. I'm excited for it. Yeah, he was again. He was another guy that I wanted. Um, and to 
reiterate what I just said. As soon as Daniel Jones was taken at number six and those three were left, uh, Oliver Hawkinson and Juwan Taylor, I knew we were getting one unless we traded out. So I, w- I was happy either way. Um, but Hawkinson, uh, to have him paired with Josh Allen potentially would would have been awesome just to have uh, – just moving the chains and going over the middle and having that big, strong possession tight end. Um, but I'm, I'm glad he went to a team that, that I don't hate, basically. So I'm glad you guys got him. Uh, our second-round pick, we actually moved up two spots here uh, from 40 to 38. We grabbed Cody Ford, the offensive tackle from Oklahoma, uh, one of the guys that was protecting for Kyler Murray. Uh, he's another immediate starter. Not exactly sure where on the line he's going to be. I know Fans in, in a couple of Bills pages that I'm in have been tinkering around with the offensive line combinations because uh, we did go out and sign six offensive linemen, plus we have whatever carryover offensive linemen we had last year, and we go out and get Cody Ford. So we're we're basically entering uh, training camp in, in the preseason with 14 offensive linemen, I think it is. Um, so trying to put together a starting group of five is is going to be both fun but exhilarating at the same time because uh, we want to get the right five out there. Um, LaShawn McCoy had one of his worst worst career years last year, and a lot of it had to do with the offensive line or, or lack thereof. We, we really didn't block for him last year. So Cody Ford, he's definitely going to be he's definitely going to be an impact player on that line. He uh, it's another one of my favorite picks that we had. Um, I'm glad that we got him at this spot. I wanted originally I wanted Irv Smith. Um it was hoping that we would go with a because we went with the defensive guy in the first round, I was hoping that we would go with uh and although we did go with an offensive guy in the second round, I wanted more of like a a, a playmaker. So I was hoping Irv Smith here, uh kind of after Noah Fant and TJ Hawkinson were taken. But um I'm hundred percent happy with Cody Ford. Uh definitely something that out there protecting Josh Allen and opening up the holes for LaShawn McCoy and have a bounce back here this year. Yeah, and I, I, I'm not too happy about my second-round pick. I mean, I, I like him as a player, but I we didn't have to go and take him with the 43rd pick. And I'm talking about uh, Jelani Tavai, the linebacker from Hawaii. He had some minor off-the-field issues, which surprising that we even took him because Bob Quinn – Martha Ford, we don't really tolerate the players that have off the field concerns. We want good role models for our fans and the children. We want good locker room leaders. But clearly this issue was small enough where we can overlook it. But he also had some injury concerns. He played eight games last year. Now, granted, games, he averaged 10 tackles a game. I mean, basically throughout his whole collegiate career, he's averaged 10 tackles a game which shows he can play sideline to sideline. He has a nose for the football. So those are things to at least be optimistic about. Uh, but the thing is that we took Jalen Reeves, Mabin, um, I see uh, Rod Davis, I believe that was two drafts ago. Basically the same thing. They were tackling machines. They were hard hitters, but both have injury concerns. I mean, Mabin hasn't really been able to take over starting role due to – it doesn't seem – talent starting role, but he, it's also because he's been injured. I'm hoping this is the opposite for Tavai. Um, I've watched some tape on him. He is a good football player. He just needs to stay healthy. I mean, he did play two full collegiate seasons, racked up over 120 tackles each season. 
So if he can do that here, allow Gerard Davis to slip over to the outside where I think he'll be better suited to play, uh, this could really help our defense and shape our defense up uh, to be a top potential 10 defense and just be another step of us moving farther and trying to not only make the playoffs, which we've only done three of them not last 19 years, but to win our first playoff game in, I believe, like 25 years. So it's there's optimism for, you know, to look forward to, but there also is some um, – there's concerns. So I'm just going to have to wait and see the Lions fans. I'm in, you know, the Lions groups. We – not me, but they just – they tore into Bob Quinn as soon as that pick was made. Um basically asking for his head on a platter, get him out of there before the draft is even over, which I think is foolish. Um, Bob Quinn has drafted some very good guys since he's been in our um, in our front office. So it's just have to wait and see. I mean, I was bummed about it, but I also heard that there, there were a few teams kind of hoping he would slide to round three. Um, the Patriots are one of them. I believe it was the Eagles – they were set on taking him in round three. Uh, and both of those teams are actually thinking about potentially pulling the trigger in round two. So clearly if there's a couple teams that seen what Bob Quinn seen, uh, I, I can't complain too much. And it does, uh, if he's a Patriots guy, I mean, Matt Patricia, you know, they even compared him a little bit to, um, they compared to Vi to, uh, uh, um, drawing a blank, uh, Kyle Van Noy. And, Van Noy was a complete bust when we got him. He went to Matt Patricia, that defense, and they turned him into, you can say, a second-round pick, which we used on him. They made him a guy who can is one of your main points on the defense. So if they can do if Patricia can do that with Tavai, there's there's no there's no worries there then. Yeah, and it definitely it feels a need uh, for you guys. I know um, offensive side of the ball. You guys are pretty solid there, and Hawkinson was a great pick because uh, you could never have too many weapons. But getting into the linebacking core is, and and the defensive end core is definitely something that I think Detroit, especially with um, guys like Ziggy Ansa not uh, being back with the team this year, um, so it, it's something that I think that that it was good for Detroit to go with. And I don't off the top of my head, I don't recall who was available around that pick that maybe you could have done better um without trading out but uh, uh i think it's a good pick um and, and hopefully it works out for you guys uh for the third round we started out with one pick but we ended up trading back in so i'll, I'll go over these next two and um and then i'll let you go over your next two because we don't have a fourth round pick and i know detroit had a fourth round so i'll say my two threes and then you say your third and your fourth uh so starting it off i got we got devin singletary uh running back He's he's a need for the future, uh, especially with two of our running backs being over 30 years old and then uh, just recently going out and signing T.J. Yeldon. Um, I'm not sure if he's going to see a lot of time on the field this year, but it's he gets to learn from a guy like Frank Gore, who's one of the best um, running backs to ever play and, and one of the most guys full of class to, to ever be in the league. Uh, I figured that at some point in this draft that they were going to look running back. Uh, I just didn't think it was going to be this early. I'm not completely mad about it. At the time that it happened, I was a little little puzzled and confused, especially because um, even though we did go out and sign John Brown and Cole Beasley, I figured that a wide receiver was coming around this slot because we did, um, or even a tight end too, because we haven't taken – we didn't take Irv Smith in the second round, but um, I figured that they were going to get a weapon for Josh Allen, and and 
while they did, a running back is still a weapon. I thought they would go with more of a pass catcher. Um, but after after checking him out and uh, watching a little bit of tape on him and then looking up his stats, he combined for 66 total, touchdown, total rushing touchdowns in his three years, uh, including 32 of them just two seasons ago. Um, so it definitely shows that big playability. He's a little smaller. He's 5'7", um, but they say he's in quotes, he's a shady clone. So definitely something that, uh, I mean, if we could even half the guy the shady was, I, I'd be happy about that. Um, and hopefully it works out and, and our, our backfield is pretty loaded. I, I, I see him making the roster. I, I don't think they're going to put him on the practice squad because somebody will come in and swoop him up. Um, but I don't know how much he's actually going to see the field this year because of Gore, Shady, and TJ Yeldon. And injuries always happen, especially to the running back to position. So maybe we will, uh, but we'll, we'll see what happens there. And then we ended up trading back into the third round. Uh, actually gave up both of our fourth round picks, so that's why we don't have any. Uh, but we selected Dawson Knox, the tight end out of um, Ole Miss. He was not my first choice. I actually didn't know too much about him uh, until after we drafted him and I looked him up. Uh, but aside from the Iowa guys, as I mentioned already a couple of times, I wanted Irv Smith and even Jay Sternberger. He ended up being taken one pick after Singletary. Um, but we ended up getting Dawson Knox. And and after after reading up on him and, and, and watching some film on him, I it turns out that it, I like him too. I mean, he he brings what we're looking for in Buffalo. Um, he didn't he didn't grab any touchdown catches in his collegiate career, uh, but he does have hands. He did have a lot of catches in college, but at the same time, he's also overlooked by DK Metcalf, AJ Brown. Um, so he was is basically like the fourth, even fifth option in Ole Miss. Uh, but he's he's a good run blocker, um, and that's huge for a team like Buffalo, who last year, as I mentioned already, we didn't really have an offensive line. So it's basically like having a sixth offensive lineman out there, but a guy that can also go out and catch the ball. Yeah, I like both of those picks. Uh, I view Devin Singletary, I think, higher than you do from the get-go because I think they find a way to put him on a field, even if it's where they have Shady be more of a uh, – a third down catching back uh, with the, of course he's not going to be just limited to, to that. He'll have more kids, but basically it would be for me, it, I would have it where Singletary and Shady, they would be basically in a, a, a committee, uh, you know, Shady with handling the pass catching up uh, downs. And I'd have Frank go short yardage um, and goal line back. That way you get all three still on the field. I think Yeldon's out of there after the preseason, I do think Singletary start. I will look at him in dynasty leagues somewhat early, just because I feel like this year he can carve out at least a flex role, depending on um, the opponent. But then next, I think after after this coming season, I think he just he's probably gonna be the man there. Um, from for my third round pick, we actually went from and traded up seven spots from eighty eight to eighty one, and drafted Boston College safety Will Harris. I like the player itself, but I didn't like the pick for some reason is you mentioned earlier that you didn't know who was um, available at the time. We picked a uh, Tavai. Nassar Adderley was still on the board. I would have loved to, for us to grab Nassar Adderley, uh, Adderley from Delaware and throw him in the back of that, that uh, Beck's uh, secondary and just let him 
basically just run that thing. I mean, I think Adderley is going to be a phenomenal safety. He, when he was still here um, on the board, I was hoping we would have went that way, but we didn't. And then when we first took Harris, it upset me because we passed on Adderley in the in the second round. And I think we could have basically took Adderley in the second, got Tavai in the third, but then I was hearing about the teams that potentially would have took him in the second. So, uh, you know, sleeping on it for a couple of days. I think Adderley's going to be, or um, excuse me, I think Harris is going to be a, a good safety for us. You know, learning from, uh, you know, lear- learning from uh, Quandre Diggs, who's really came into his own the last two years. Uh, Darius Lay, uh, even though it's the safety and corner are two different positions, their their jobs are the same. I think he's going to learn from Slay and, and everybody back there. I think it's going to be good. I mean, Tracy Walker and Will Harris will be two guys that are young that's going to lead the safety corps. And ho- hopefully, like I said about the Tavai pick, make this where we have a top 10 defense because we know how good the uh, that that cold, cold NFC North is. So we're going to – all four of those teams are going to need good defenses in order to uh, – in order to end up taking that top spot, because we've seen that just a good offense isn't going to guarantee you the North. You have to have basically a complete game. And for quite a few years, we've had, we've only had half. We've had the offense, but not the defense. So now it looks like we're becoming a more well-rounded team with the Harris pick. And then round four was a, a pick I loved at 117. We took uh, Austin Bryant, the defensive end Clemson. I think Bryant is going to be one of the best value picks. I don't think he's going to be a steal. I do think he's going to be a value pick. I do think uh, we'll get a better return than a fourth-round player normally gives you. I think he'll be a rotational guy with, um, you know, or maybe even end up starting because Trey Flowers be more of our edge guy, even though he can play, you know, he is a defensive end. He's more of a, I think we'll use him more of the edge um, and just put Austin Bryant in at least our rotational role for now since we don't have Ansa, even though there's a chance we could potentially explore that option. But, uh, man, Austin Bryant, when we got him, I was happy. He he got slept on. I mean, you were with Dexter Lawrence, Kristen Wilkins, and uh, Clinton Furl. I mean, you're going to – he was the odd man out. And it had nothing to do with skill. It had nothing to do with any off-the-field issues or personal problems. It was just he – it wasn't even him being outplayed. It was just those other three guys were so good, all three first-round picks. You know, we could have been talking about Austin Bryant being a first-round pick if maybe one of those three guys didn't play for Clemson. So, I mean, I think this can be value for us. And once we got him, I was I felt a lot better about the Tavai pick. I felt a lot better about the Harris pick. So he definitely um, brightened the spirits of uh, Lions fans. Yeah, and he took the words right out of my mouth. He uh, that uh, defensive end from Clemson. He basically was um, the odd man out with with those other three: Christian Wilkins, uh, Dexter Lawrence, and Clint Farrell. Um, it, so definitely a value pick there. I, I think he's going to turn out to be um, maybe not necessarily a stud, but a, a guy that you guys can rely on and. And, and definitely get to the quarterback. Um, with the fifth, with our fifth round pick, uh, as I mentioned, we didn't have any fourth round picks because we traded traded them away to move up in the third. But our fifth round pick, we ended up going with Voshan Joseph, um, a, a linebacker. He, I personally like this pick, Lorenzo Alexander. He's getting older. I think to begin his career, he's going to be a rotational player, um, special teams type player, and and. Maybe he could fill Lorenzo Alexander's role once 
wants and if he decides to retire after this year. I believe Alexander is just on a one-year deal right now, um, so he there's a chance that he might not be back next year. Um, so I, I think that, I mean, I definitely expect to see Joseph on the field uh, at least a little bit this year. Um, we also have Matt Milano, who is also a fifth-round pick, and he's about the same size as Joseph. And right now, Milano is a fan favorite starting weak side linebacker. So um, it, it seems like uh, Sean McDermott likes those kind of players, those those shifty sideline-to-sideline uh, -side type linebackers. Um, last year, one of our first-round picks after Josh Allen was Tremaine Edmonds. So we're, we're building a, a younger, strong linebacking core. Um, we, but we are still a little weak on the one side because, I mean, as, as good of a player as Lorenzo Alexander is, he's again, he's he's towards the end of his career. Um, so, but definitely, it's, it's another guy that Joseph, he he's a guy that Alexander could uh, can teach or learn from, um, and I'm, I'm excited about it. I, I for being a fifth round pick and and getting into the parts of the draft where a lot of these players I have to I really have to dig into and read about because I, I haven't done a lot of um pre-draft research on him. He's a guy that that I knew a little bit about before the draft and 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 I like him a lot. I'm excited about him. Uh getting into our 6th round pick, um I'll go over mine because I know that you guys had a 5th round and then two 6th rounds, so I'll let you kind of go through all three of those and then we'll talk about our 7th rounds together. Uh but our 6th round pick was uh, Jaquan Johnson a defensive back, uh, more safety. He's another depth player. Uh, right now, Jordan Poyer and Micah Hyde kind of have the safety positions locked down, but it doesn't hurt to have any more bodies back there. I don't. He's he's definitely not taking any of their jobs anytime soon. Um, but he's he's going to be a camp body. He's he was a really good tackler at Miami. Um, he he had a lot of tackles actually for a safety at Miami. So uh, it, it's one of those kind of guys where you. You have that last line of defense back there. Um, you feel comfortable having him back there. Where if there's an open, open area ball carrier, he can he can kind of chase him down and get to him and and just get to the ball carrier, prevent that touchdown. Um, again, depth player, he'll probably be in there if an injury happens. He'll be, he'll be a camp guy. Uh, maybe end up on the practice squad. Um, again, Jordan Poyer and Micah Hyde are the guys right now. So it, it's just one of those. Just get in there and, and kind of just just grab a grab that position in the sixth round. Yeah, and, and he is certainly going to be a depth guy, maybe a, a special teams guy. But I do like the the Joseph pick. I I think you're 100 percent correct about. It. I think he gets some meaningful snaps this year. Uh, but I think in 2020 he he starts, and you guys just got three good young linebackers to lead that defense for years. He was one of uh, my favorite players, underrated in this draft. But for, so, and, and um, I, I enjoyed my fifth round pick. I think Justin, much you enjoyed yours. We took um, Penn State corner Amani uh, or Uwari. I'm hoping I pronounce it. It's a shame that he's on my team. I don't pronounce it, but um, he's. I think he's going to mesh well with Darius Slay. Um, Darius Slay is actually one of the, basically his role, like his, you know. Um, his idol is one of the guys he 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 studies on tape to try to take um, his play skills and measurement with his uh, measure with um, his own play skills and just 
turned into a good player. And now he's actually in our same locker room with him. He, he's already, you know, him and Slay are already, like, from Twitter. They already seem like they're going to be best friends. And I can't wait. He was projected to go in round two to three. Uh, I have seen him go early round two. I mean, I've had – I've literally seen him go to um, pick 33 to the Cardinals, the first pick in the second round. And he ended up being there in the fifth. So I will never complain about that, especially if he can end up starting right away. I mean, I think he can. I think he's going to be good. Uh, and I think he is definitely going to be one of the better players, one of the better corners in this draft. And I've had two six rounds. Travis um, Fulgham, the wide receiver from Old Dominion. He's a depth guy right now. Outside of Amendola, Galladay, and Jones, we don't have much. And it is concerning. Even with this pick, I was hoping we use an earlier pick just for some reason is we don't have any proven guys behind our top three. Uh, Amendola has a little bit of a history with injuries. Jones has, you know, he, he missed games last year. And even Galladay, he's had some nagging injuries. So it, it's if, – if he has to start, I'm going to be kind of worried since he is just a sixth-round pick. I'm hoping we use him more of a – he's a guy that's in there for a, maybe a handful of snaps per game just to uh, – just to – just to get his feet wet. I'm hoping we, once, you know, they have veteran cuts, which we see it every year. I'm hoping one of these receivers gets cut and Lions pick him up. We did say Tommy uh, Lee Lewis from the Saints, but it's still nothing sure outside of our top three. So, second six round pick, we took Ty Johnson, the running back from Maryland. And I think he's going to be one of our returners if he does make the team. Um, don't see him offering much in the run game for simple fact that we have um, that we have basically we're basically set back there. I mean, we have uh, you know last year's early pick or second round pick, Kerryon Johnson, who's going to be the main guy in the committee with uh, a recently signed CJ Anderson. You still got Theo Reddick who can catch the ball, and I think now we're going to really limit his. Uh, his rushes. I think he's just going to be basically focused as a um, a pass catching back. And I, I wouldn't be surprised if we end up switching him to wide receiver full time because we have tried him out in the slot. He has shown that he can do some damage in the slot. And outside of Amendola, if he were to go down an injury, the only guy that's on the roster, I think right now, that can make sense to play the slot is um, Theo Rick. But then on top of that, even if he did switch a receiver, we got Zach Zenner, who we like so much that we made sure we re-signed this year. Um, I do believe he's going he's gonna to at least carve out a minimum role. So if Ty Johnson can't make this team as a returner, I don't see him making this team at all. Maybe, you know, catch a practice squad uh, uh, spot for us or another team. But I'm not too opt- optimistic about him actually making the squad. And now we're getting into the seventh-round picks. Um guys that are going to be fighting for their jobs and and uh, hopefully either trying to catch on with the practice squad or or trying to get into uh, or just showcase and, and hopefully another team comes by and grabs them. Uh, we both had two seventh round picks, um, so I'll go over mine, then you can go over yours, and, and then we'll close out the show. So the first one I got, uh, we picked Daryl Johnson Jr. He's a defensive end at a North Carolina A&T small school. Um, from what I've seen about him, I don't know much about him. He's a complete project player. Um, he's another camp body at a position that 
eventually is going to need uh, have some need. And now with the recent news of Shaq Lawson not getting his, uh, not signing his or Buffalo not signing Shaq Lawson to his fifth year option, um, definitely going to open up a defensive end spot at least next year. Uh, this year he's, he's going to be around. Jerry Hughes is still around too. He's kind of in the Lorenzo Alexander boat where he's getting a little older. Um, and I know he's Hughes is one of those guys where he's just he seems to be flagged with a uh, personal foul penalty at least once a game. So I mean it. it I'm just making things up here. Sean McDermott really hasn't shown any like uh, discomfort with that, but if it continues to happen, I can see um, maybe Hughes on his way out. Um, but again, Daryl Johnson Jr. Camp body project player. Um, again, I mean, I'm going to, it's, it's one of those guys that I'm going to have actually go to go to training camp and kind of just see and, and kind of get to know what he's all about. Cause I really, I couldn't even find much on him either. So I'm not going to sit here and make things up. I, I just don't know much about him to be honest with you. And our, our last pick that we took was Tommy Sweeney, another tight end, another pass catching option for Josh Allen. Um, he actually has a chance to make the final 53 as, especially being a, a late round pick, but um, cause the turn, the current tight ends that we have on the roster are, uh, Tyler Croft, who we signed in free agency, Dawson Knox, who I talked about, he was our third round pick, and then Jason Kroom, and offensive tackle converted tight end Jake Fisher from Cincinnati. So he he's definitely got a chance to beat out Kroom and, and Fisher, um, and potentially be the third tight end. He comes from Boston College, a team that normally isn't heard about when it comes to football. They're more of a hockey town uh, and hockey college, but he he did have 99 total catches and 10 total touchdowns um, in in his career at college. And uh, as a seventh-round pick and the last pick for the Buffalo Bills, it's a low-risk, high-reward type player. Um, he could be, again, I, I could see him potentially making the final 53, if not um, maybe catching somebody's eye with a good camp and, and ending up on a, on a 53-man roster somewhere. Yeah, and I, I have a little bit more uh, of opti- or optimism for my seventh-round picks, at least making the team, because with our first seventh-round pick, we took um, Georgia tight end Isaac Nauta. He was, um, we doubled down on tight ends, but that's because that's a need. Um, Hawkinson and the newly signed Jesse James are the only two locks we have in our tight end group right now. Nauta will compete with um, second-year player. Uh, he was our, la- our fourth-round pick last year uh, from Toledo, Michael Roberts. Um, they're both going to duke it out to see who's going to be that basically that third tight end. Uh, and one of the, I think we will use a third tight end enough where they, they will make a at least a meaningful impact in the run game on the goal line, you know, run that jumbo set. And uh, I, I don't see much as a way of receiving. I mean, he might have the occasional catch here and there. And then our second seventh-round pick was P.J. Johnson. He's a defensive tackle for Arizona. Our defensive tackle uh, depth was a little bit, non-existent we have Deshaun Hand who can play defensive end and defensive tackle um we have Damian Snacks here she's 30 but he still can go and then we have Ashawn Robinson and we also signed um um Kringle or Kelgo I forgot his name uh but we actually just signed him today I don't know too much about him so 
he could, you know, PJ Johnson probably can compete with him to potentially go and become that depth defensive end. We'll go out there, um, you know, when our defense is at our own, you know, at the goal line and we got to try to stop, you know, stuff that run, they'll probably throw him out there and there's nothing that's going to be a huge impact. A lot of seventh rounders don't make a huge impact. And if they do, it's certainly not expected. It's always a shocker, but always it's also a pleasant surprise when you have a seventh rounder, not only make your team, but help your team win and be successful, which when we have, you know, teams that are in slumps like Buffalo and Detroit, we do we do see these seventh round guys at least make some type of um you know contribution to uh whatever success we have so it's going to be interesting to see i don't hate either one of our drafts i think they we all hit uh we feel needs and it's going to be fun to see i mean you plan on attending camps i'm definitely going to go attend camps and all we can go from here now is just be excited. I mean, we don't know. Nobody knows how these picks are going to turn out. Nobody knows how, you know, who makes this team right now. We see it all the time. Um, guy, even third round guys, just they flat out, you know, sink in camp and just get cut. And um, to, to to go back on the guys, the defensive check we signed, his name is Darius Kilgo. I just want to make sure I got his name right. So, yeah, overall, uh, I like. I like my draft or our draft. Um, I do like your draft. I like. I definitely like your first round pick. Again, he's the guy that I wanted. But um, with from the eight picks that we had, I I especially like the top four. Uh, Singletary is is growing on me. But um, Ed Oliver, absolutely love Cody Ford, absolute stud and needed him. And Dawson Knox, another need. And then Singletary, uh, the running back, I, I think he's going to be impactful. Like I said, maybe not this year, but definitely going to – he's going to be seeing the field at some point. And then out of our last four picks, Love, Joseph, and then the other three kind of are more depth players and, and camp bodies. Um, but, again, I think Tommy Sweeney does have a chance to make the team. So, overall, I think if at least half of these guys hit or and are just – it's a little bit impactful it's going to be it's going to be a success uh i believe in our in our coaching staff i believe in uh head coach sean mcdermott um he's it, it just feels it feels nice to just go into an off season and and know who your starting quarterback is going to be and and kind of just and build for him um a couple of years ago we went to the off season and kind of knew tyrod was going to be the starting quarterback and I I didn't feel I just feel I feel better now than than then and it's always nice to know especially with teams like us or teams like Cleveland um, just these lower bottom of the barrel teams where it's like every every off season you you have you're optimistic and you make a couple moves here and there and then all of a sudden the season comes along and it doesn't work out but it just feels and I feel like I say this every year but it just feels different this year because it's – I feel like we have the right coach this time. And I feel like he, he's building for the quarterback that we took at number seven overall last year to to succeed. He's putting weapons in place. We went out and signed six linemen plus drafted one in the second round. Um, gave him – he's got two weapons within the first – three rounds uh with the quarter with the running back and the tight end um and just 
went out and signed two running backs also uh, with Frank Gore and TJ Yeldon. So it's like you can definitely tell he's he's trying to find the right pieces to help this team go. Our defense was uh, one of the top defenses last year, and, and Ed Oliver is only going to add to that. So it's uh, I can't wait to talk about them all, all year round and, and just – kind of just show my love for the bills here and, and, and we'll get into other teams too, but um, obviously me being a bills fan, you being a Detroit fan, it's just gonna, we're, we're going to be biased and, and, and talk about them more, but just overall draft is over. The next step is training camp and I'm just super excited about it. Yeah. <laughs> that's the, that's the thing about this draft too, is I feel like we're getting the right guys. I mean, Bob, like I mentioned earlier, Bob Quinn knows how to draft tight ends. Um, before the whole Aaron Hernandez um, spiral, he was going to be another good tight end. So he basically took two good tight ends in the same draft. So I have nothing but hope that Hawkinson is going to be a pro bowler, just a phenomenal guy, and that maybe that missing piece where we're not struggling to score points in half our games. And, you know, even though the, 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 the Tavai pick was questionable, there was GMs that loved him for some reason where even though scouts and people that do the scouting like I do and you're getting into, we still don't know every, every in and out of the trade. So just because we're picking up something or we're not picking up something that's that, you know, we're missing on tape or whatever, they're finding it and, Honestly, it, I'm I'm hoping it turns out well. I think if he stays healthy, I think he can be one of the um, the key pieces on our defense. And, and uh, there, I'm just I'm excited. I mean, the, we're both we do this podcast together more than basically one of us doing with anybody else on the page. Just for some reason, is our teams have been in basically the same boat for so long. Um, granted, I have some minor bragging rights that we've made the playoffs more, but we still haven't won. We've both, our, both of our teams won the same amount of playoff games, none. So it's, it's, we get to see our teams hopefully evolve, um, do big things in the coming years. Um, hopefully in the coming months, definitely be fun to talk to you. And, and you're right, we're, we're biased about this thing. And even though, our podcast is called Great Lakes Football Talk. Our intentions aren't to just talk about the Great Lakes teams. We cover everything football, but you're going to hear Lions chatter. You're going to hear Bills chatter just because that's where we're from. Those are our, our the teams we love, the teams we, we you know ride with the high and lows. And we're just football fans in general. I mean, and with us living so close to each other, it's you get some Lions games, you get, you know, some you know news about the Lions, and then same thing with the Bills. We get some Buffalo games here. We get you know we we hear buzz on social media just because Buffalo is close to us, and we hear all that all that news. So we're we're basically in the same boat, and we know what we want our teams to do. Um, we know what our teams are capable of doing, and, and you know you guys are going in the, in the right direction with Josh Allen last year. The pieces you're making this year, getting. Um, Tremaine Edmonds, who is going to be a beast of a linebacker. So it's fun. Yeah, no doubt about that. And again, I can't wait to keep on talking football and, and just throughout this whole off season and getting into the, getting into the season. And we got a lot of fun shows planned. Uh, we got a lot of uh, off the show stuff planned that we're doing. Um, currently today, we just started to 
Uh, we're going to do a fantasy football-related power rankings um, just to give a little teaser, basically just kind of rank the teams based on the players that they have for fantasy football relevance. Uh, for example, uh, the New Orleans Saints, may they're definitely going to be the top five. I, I'm thinking about putting them as my number one. I don't know where you got them, but because they got Drew Brees, Alvin Kamara, Michael Thomas, Jared Cook, uh, four guys that are going to be picked early early in a lot of fantasy drafts and, and help a lot of people win championships. Um, so we're doing a fantasy football-related uh, power ranking. So keep a lookout for that. That's going to be on the Fantasy Football Fraternity page soon. Uh, we're putting a lot of time into it, so it's not going to be something that's going to be half-assed and just and just thrown together. We're actually we're actually putting time into it. Um, so just give it, a, give it a few days and it's going to be out. Um, other than that, we got just getting it. We got a lot of prospect responses. Uh, favorite player prospect reports going on the page right now so check those out i think up right now is miles sanders and uh Nikhil harry and today um miracle hardman i think i pronounced his name right the wide receiver from the chiefs um he was put up today so and then tomorrow aj brown is releasing tomorrow so uh just you're getting the admin perspective on those specific players um we're each doing one and and Adam, I know you're doing one, I think, on Sunday. Um, what player were you doing? I'm probably going to end up uh, doing TJ Hawkinson. Okay, so you're, you're, we're going to get a, uh, a Lions fan perspective on a Detroit Lions player. Um, so that's uh, so definitely keep an eye out for those. A couple of them are already up now. Again, that's the Fantasy Football Fraternity page on Facebook. Um, and other than that, I mean, that's that's pretty much it for today's show. Ran a little long, but it's it's the first show after the draft, and uh, we got got a lot more coming up. We're going to be doing some rankings. We got uh, dynasty rankings that we're going to do, basically strictly rookies, and then we're going to do another um, full ranking show, kind of like we did before the draft. But uh, obviously, we got to add the uh, rookies in there now, so um, probably have another guy or two on that podcast, but. Keep an eye out for those. Adam, any last words before we close up? No, just like, subscribe, share. Um, you know, give us the listens. I mean, we appreciate it. We're starting to throw the idea now for a potential website, so hopefully that will um, make things flow a little bit smoother for us when we get our content out more. So um, it's just it's stuff to look forward to. We're we're getting deeper and deeper. We're we're gonna start seeing about potentially. Um, just expanding. I mean, any way possible. We're just trying to get bigger, get better content up. I mean, the guy, you know, we do all of this at no charge. I mean, none of us get paid nothing. And um, some of these things that we do, we put a lot of time into. So just um, to potentially get onto a, a website, you know, uh, you know, just get up on the internet where more than just our Facebook followers can see it. It's going to be fun. So just keep an eye out for everything. And um, we'll be back within the next week with another episode.